This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by VO2GoGo, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2GoGo.com start. Hello and welcome to episode 122 of Inside Acting. My name's Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast we interview, oh, people from all over the industry. And we uh, put those interviews on this podcast and stick it out there on the web every week for you to benefit from. And we started this podcast because we are looking for the answers, not because we have them. So if you have anything to add, subtract, delete... If you have anything you'd substitute. like to substitute, um, if you have any uh, um, insights, reservations, relevations, reservations, elevations, um, I'm, I'm just if you want to substitute ham for the turkey, or you want to do oh, less man. mayo and more mustard, are you, talk, are you starting to talk I'm, about I'm bringing back the sandwich food? analogy. Oh, the sandwich analogy. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. Um, then uh, get in touch with us. Uh, send your sandwich to insideactingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or check out our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. Yes, and we're, um, we're excited to bring you part one of our chat with Carrie Bechet uh, this week, who is an actress that has been all over the place and just a really sweet person that uh, took the time to come sit down with us and let, her know, let us know about her, her journey. So uh, excited to bring you that. So make sure you guys stick around. So uh, we're we're switching up the format a little bit. We're going to start off with our our thanks and acknowledgement this week. And yeah, I love that. I love that. And we're going to try. We talked about this on a previous episode. We're going to try our new our, a new mini segment. I don't know what to call yeah, it. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we have people that support this podcast every every month on a recurring basis. You know, they donate uh, a chunk of their hard earned dollars to the show uh, to essentially keep us going and. Um, you know, we feature them on our patron page and we, we talk about them every so often, but I, I, I really want to give back to them as much as possible. So, uh, I thought it would be cool to, we thought it would be cool to just have a little segment where we just pick one of them and just kind of put the spotlight on them for, for a hot minute. So we created a dartboard. (laughs) (laughs) You're all on the wall and we just throw a dart whenever it lands on. I'm just kidding. Um, no, this one's uh, just a, a new a new patron, our newest patron. Yeah, yeah, our newest patron, but a long-time listener and someone who's who's been in constant contact with the show. Um, do you want to say it? Should I say it? Go for it, man. Renee Michelle Brené. I think I'm saying that correctly. She um, has been listening to the podcast for probably a year or two at, at, the, at the very least. And uh, she was also in my Insanity Challenge group a couple months back and... Um, so it's kind of cool. I, I feel like I've, I've kind of interacted with her on a, in a couple different, couple different levels. And, uh, she just recently signed up to support us on a, on a recurring monthly basis. She's a New York city based actress. She's got a, a, a nice 
heavy background in theater. And uh, last I saw on her website, she's applying to grad school, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, what's the update? Yeah, Renee? what's the update, Renee? Let it. Let I like us saying know. her whole name too. It's a. It's I feel in. Like you have to. What's well, in iambic pentameter? I hope she does a lot of Shakespeare. Renee, Michelle, Bernay. Yeah, Renee, Michelle. He's in Bernay. New York. He's <laughs> in New York. There it is. Yeah. There it is. A, a full line. <clears throat> Five uh, feet. Yeah, so um, we'll have a link to her um, website and, and things like that on our website, so you guys can check that out and uh, give her a shout and give her some love for um, keeping this thing that hopefully everybody enjoys going. And uh, don't forget, uh, Renee, to send us your your stuff yes. so that we can get you up on the Patreon page yes, as soon as possible. And then we also have two donations, one-off <clears throat> donations from generous listeners. And this is so cool because this just shows that we our audience is kind of everywhere. Well, we have definitely a, a heavy contingent of listeners in L.A., but um, we got a, a donation from Josh down in Texas. He sent us a couple bucks to to uh, pay our bills, which is pretty awesome. And then we also got a call, or um, a call. We also got a donation from Laura all the way from Australia. Woo woo. Which is, uh, which is really cool. We Land just, of Oz. Before we started recording here, AJ and I just sat down and took a look at our, you know, our stats and our feed hits and our numbers and our page views and things like that. And we're very excited to say the podcast is growing uh, quickly. And um, we saw we have listeners from China and France and Austria and Czechoslovakia and the UK and Australia and Canada and the US, of course. And I, it's not like these are just like chump. It's not like a few people in these countries. It's like well into like, I think there's only a few that were below the thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really cool. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for the educational system of the rest of the world. As everyone else speaks multiple language and we only speak this one. <laughs> everyone else knows what we're saying. I will English. <clears throat> oh God. I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> that was awful. I speak Espanolish. That was that was really bad. It's getting worse. I know. <laughs> um Josh, if you're listening to this, um I'm not sure where in Texas you're at, but um our buddy, longtime friend of the uh podcast and friend of friend of mine and friend of the actor really uh ben whitehair is actually in texas for the next um week and a half or so so by the time you listen to this it will only be a week um but he's going to dallas houston and austin i believe to do a seminar for sag after is actually actually the ones who sent him out there to do a seminar for um for actors on his social media stuff. So they're flying into Texas for free, which is awesome. Putting him up for free. And then he's delivering these, these workshops. So, um, he's on his way to you, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and thank you so much. All of you, all of the above, uh, mentioned and, uh, previously mentioned donators to the podcast. Donators. Um, Yeah. We couldn't do it without you. Literally. So, what is new in your world this week? Hello, dude? my friend. Hello. Um, what is new? I am, as you know, I can't, it's just so awkward because I still can't talk about it publicly, but I am um, in the midst of having a very uh, interesting conversation. I finally sort of opened the floodgates of having this interesting conversation mm-hmm. about the future of my career with um, my friends. Um, this weekend, I will be having it with my family. And then next week um, on Tuesday, the day that this episode actually goes live um, with my manager. <clears throat> and it's, 
I've already learned a whole lot just from, you know, uh, you and I have this masterminds group that we're a part of, and that's where the conversation sort of began for me. And I've already had huge, huge, um, essentially breakthroughs on, on, on the subject. Um, one of the things that one of our friends, uh, said really hit me, which is that the decision, I was treating it as a burden as opposed to like this really cool Mm. opportunity. Mm -hmm. And that really hit me. I don't know where that was coming from. I'm not sure why it was a, it was was such a difficult thing for me. I was making it difficult and I'm not sure why I was making it difficult is the thing that was a big part of my week. I also attended, uh, last night, actually a, um, memorial celebration, memorial service for, um, it was also sort of a theater performance, which is perfect for him for my, uh, a professor of mine that I had at UCLA, whose name is Gary Gardner. And Gary has been around, <clears throat> he, he was born and, and raised in the, in the Midwest, but he moved out here and he was a, he went to UCLA, he was a student there, and then he became a professor there. And he has spanned literally six decades of people he he got there in the mid he got there as a student in the mid 60s and then he just recently died and so last night at the memorial they had people stand up if they knew Gary in the 60s and then the 70s oh, wow. and then the 80s and wow. the 90s and it was 700 people that he had touched that were in that theater let alone the people in the greater sort of LA I mean that was mostly a UCLA celebration yeah. let alone the people in the greater sort of LA theater world and I know um, there's a lot of those people like I, I I had met Gary and interacted with him on several occasions, almost worked with him, but I wasn't at the memorial. So I'm, I'm just one of the many, many people I'm sure who, who regard him very fondly. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody told this great story about going with him to see a show at the Geffen and he couldn't stop standing up to shake somebody's hand and say, how are you? How are the kids? How are the grandkids? Da, 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 and then yeah. sit back down and just have a big smile on his face. He was an amazing, amazing man, and it was really interesting to see how many people's lives he's touched, um, including two of the people that spoke last night were Nancy Cartwright and uh, Tim mm. Ro- Tim Robbins. Wow. Um, Tim being one of our most famous alum and uh, and, and Nancy being uh, Bart Simpson. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We got, it was so cool. I got, I got a picture with her afterwards. It was, she's such a sweetheart, but it's really fascinating because Gary had actually given her some advice that he also gave me sort of in a way. So I was like, wow, he was always just such an advocate for the actor. What was the advice? Um, It was, she had an opportunity to do an outside show and he said, do it, you know, and for her, it meant she had to drop out for me. It meant that I, um, I couldn't do the, the spring musical the final spring musical, um, at the end of my UCLA years, um, mm-hmm. they did Urinetown my senior year. And I, I, cho- <clears throat> I think I talked about it on the podcast, maybe even at one point that I chose to do, um, uh, wounded instead, yeah, yeah. instead. And he was like a huge advocate. He brought me into the Dean's office and sat down with me and said, you know, Albert then, you know, has an opportunity to, do this thing outside of school. And it was so funny that Dean looked at me and looked at him and looked back at me and he was like, well, thank you very much, Gary, that you made this a whole lot easier. Like, that's it. Goodbye. Like, I don't even know what the, you know, why we're even having this conversation. Yeah. Well, that's what they're grooming you for. Yeah. Just working on the outside. Right. Exactly. And, and, and it's so funny. It's exactly what Nancy said last night, but 
um, there's this weird thing where they like, don't, I don't know if it's like, they don't want to lose people or what, but that's exactly what they're grooming people for. And, and they get to, you know, let go a little bit more. I Mm, think mm -hmm. it's a good way to put it. Um, I, I would say also that I think the student students, like I recognize the kind of gravitational pull of tight knit companies and families like that. Like in the, with the ensemble, like we, we worked together for many years and we did many of the same shows together with our friends, with the same playwrights, with the same directors in the same space. And it became a sort of comfort zone. Like I knew that space and the way the acoustics worked and everything, like the back of my hand after a couple of shows. Mm. And a friend said to me, um, she was working, I think for the blank theater company at the time. And she invited me to come do a reading or an audition or something. And I said, Oh, you know, I'm working on the show at the powerhouse. And she said, how many shows have you done there? And I said, well, like six or seven or something. And she goes, she goes, you do great work. I love the work you do. And she said, but I would love to see what you can do outside of the support structure of the ensemble. And I just, that hit me hard in a good Mm. way. I was like, wow, I've created this safety zone for myself. That's a really, that's a really good thing to bring up on the podcast because we're constantly talking about, like, especially if people come into, um, come into Los Angeles, we're always saying like, you know, um, uh, build your family, join a theater company. Like we we always talk about like, you know, creating a community for yourself so that it makes living and being and working here easier. Um, but we haven't really talked about that, like that leading to a comfort zone, like, like getting too comfortable in that. Yeah. Like the whole point is to get comfortable, but once you're comfortable, get uncomfortable again, get what is this? What is it saying? Be, be uncomfortable, be comfortable, being uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. Cause that's going to be the norm. If you're constantly pushing your boundaries, that's, yeah. well, that's where that, all the action is. There's that awesome, very simple picture that always floats around Facebook. I see it all the time and yeah. it's like a chalkboard with these two circles written on it. And there's a small circle and inside it says comfort zone. And then outside of that, a little ways away, there's a big circle. And inside of that, it says where the magic, where the magic is. <laughs> I love you know? it. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's, it's totally, true that's re- that's a really great point man yeah. and uh, uh, kudos to your friend for for saying that too. yeah yeah what Oof. um what's been going on in in your world this this week this week not not much you know i had some kind of difficult personal news to um kind of grapple with and it's one of those situations where there's really nothing i can do like tangibly except kind of just be a source of love and support um and so I, I, you know, like we had a, our masterminds meeting the other night and some of the advice, strangely enough, ironically enough that landed the most was just be with your experience, just be with it, just experience it. And, you know, it's like <laughs> a long time ago, I went through a pretty difficult time. I went and saw a therapist for several months and, mm-hmm. and she said, uh, she said, life is full of this stuff, these like difficult times. And she said, just appreciate the texture, you know, like mm. feel the texture of it and just appreciate the richness of life because there's the great, exciting, fun, happy things. And there's also this stuff and they're both equally rich. They both have equal amounts of, I'm paraphrasing her now, but both have equal amounts of nutrients essentially that you yeah. can use to soak up for just as a human being. But also if, you know, we're talking on the podcast about, you know, for your art, 
you know, it's, it's a rich experience either way. And, and, um, so that was my week really. It was just kind of like, you know, I don't know, I guess recognizing that, um, really this is the, the other half of the journey a lot of the time. And, uh, you know, I, I just let myself do what I wanted to do. Like I had some work I had to do and I was like, I want to play the guitar right now. And so I picked up my guitar and I just, I didn't make myself bad or wrong for procrastinating. I let myself be in the experience and, and feel what I wanted to feel and express what I need to express and play the guitar instead of doing this deadline based stuff I had to be doing. Didn't you even start writing a song? I did. Yeah. See? Yeah. I, and it felt so good. It felt so good. And when I listened to what I recorded, um, I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's how I'm feeling right now. That is absolutely it. Wow. You know, a, I saw an ad on a, uh, a magazine a while ago and it was for a pair of jeans. And I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but it spoke to me so much. It was a guy laying in his bed, curled up, like spooning his guitar. <laughs> and it was a pair, it was an ad for jeans, but the ad said, I can't explain it to you, but I can play it for you. Oh, wow. And I was always like, oh my God, that's it right there. That is it. So, awesome. so that was my week, man. Just, you know, just that. And then, uh, I got an exciting meeting coming up next week for, uh, a great role in a great series. Um, so I'm just going to kind of take this, this openness into the room and, uh, and just be, and you know, I'm not really attached to it, to what the outcome of this, this particular meeting is. A lot of times I'll go in and I'm nervous or whatever, and you know, I'm going to prepare, I'm going to do my homework, but I'm feeling it at a very different place with this particular meeting coming up. I got the email with the sides and everything and the breakdown of the show. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of a big deal. And I was like, cool. If I book it, great. If I don't, I got lots of other things going on. Hmm. So no big deal. So anyway, that was, that's Perfect. where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> we're both, I, I realized we're both being very cryptic this week. Yeah. Yeah, we <clears> are. <throat> including like, uh, even yeah. in our, our catch ups. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So what was I going to say? Oh, the, the thing you were saying about uh, expressing yourself through the guitar or the writing songs and stuff, I was going to say that like it's the great paradox of actors that we feel so much. We're such a sensitive, emotionally driven sort of being, but mm -hmm. we also uh, have the greatest opportunity. An artist has the greatest opportunity to express it, to get sort of get it out. Yeah. You know? Um, so you have like, I talked about this on the podcast before, but like, I think it was John Travolta talking about Heath when Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger died. He was saying like, you know, actors, like we feel so much. It's like, a, it's, it can be challenging sometimes. Yeah. And he was talking about like how that, that could have potentially led to, you know, what happened. And then I just think about, yeah, that, that may be true, but we're also the ones with the opportunities to sort of let it out. We have like the outlet and it sort of makes me want to be a huge advocate while well, I'm I already am, but it makes me want to even more so be an advocate for people who are quote unquote, non artists to find ways to express themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're an accountant, like please go and do <laughs> doodle. I don't want a napkin. Uh, yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Do anything. I mean, sing karaoke, like do something that, um, Hey, it gets you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Was it um, Audrey Hepburn who said, uh, I was born with a terrible need for affection and a like an undeniable need to give it or something like that that I thought was just a really mm. great description of kind of the 
the really the artist's uh, dilemma. Hmm. You know, it's I like think you just wrote a book. <laughs> the artist dilemma. The art. Yeah. There's the artist way, and then there's, there's the, the artist dilemma. dilemma. <laughs> Which one are you going to pick up off the shelf? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, both. If if. <laughs> It's very meta. Which one are you? Yeah. That's a very meta question. Like, which one are you going to pick up off the shelf? Well, that's the whole point, right? That's right, the dilemma. Right. You're probably going to pick up both. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> we got a, a voicemail into the podcast uh, recently um, from a guy named uh, Elliot who moved from London to New York and is now in Los Angeles. He was just, um, I guess, inspired by the last couple of episodes to call up and tell us about some of the stuff that he, like the self-produced work that he's been doing. Yeah. And it was just a great example of, of actors sort of getting out there and making their own work. Yeah. I, I thought it was really cool. He, he, he called and just said, you know, he really enjoyed the uh, conversations we had with Michael Lang and, and Monica Hafer. And uh, he wanted to let us know that he had started his own production company and put together these series, and he didn't really have to spend a lot of money to do it, and he was able to focus on the story and um, and the characters and just letting them speak. And I, I, you know, I think as I think we put a lot of our own excuses on things like this. Like I know I I'll speak from my own experience. When it comes to putting stuff like this out there, I'm always like, okay, great. So we got to have a budget. We got to pay people. We got to do this. We got to do this, this, this. And you'd think I would have learned it with Donor, you know, because Donor has done quite well. In fact, I have exciting news about that. I should tell you in a second. Um, but, you know, like it, it just, it doesn't have to cost really almost anything. People want to make stuff. All they need is somebody to come to them with a story or an idea or a couple characters and just say, let's do this. And the links he shared with us, which we'll post on the website, he has two series that he's done. One was called My Secret Friend and the other was called So Awkward. Um, the production value is fantastic. They mm-hmm. look beautiful. They sound great. Um, you know, there was definitely clearly defined characters. There was a story arc. It was, and he's done several episodes for each one. And it's just cool to see somebody out there doing it. And I, I loved that he felt moved to let us know about that after listening to these episodes. Just, you know, it just shows that you know, you don't have to wait for the phone to ring. You can create your own opportunities and your own work. And what he's doing is creating a body of work for himself and a calling card, essentially as somebody who, uh, is just, it's just proactive and productive. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and, and also going back to what you were saying about creating that list, you were saying, I can't remember exactly how you put it, but basically like, um, Oh, we got to get a budget together. We got to do this. We got to do that. Like all that stuff. All you're doing is creating barriers to entry. You're just creating obstacles for yourself to, you're just, you're creating reasons. Why not? Yeah. You know, as opposed to just going for it or whatever, which we are constantly hearing from so many of our guests. When I think back on that experience and really anything that I've worked on that I had a hand in creating, so little of the forward momentum was created by me sitting down and figuring out what I needed. And so much of that forward momentum was created just by reaching out to people and saying, I want to do this. How can we do it? Or what do you have? Or, you know, like yes, just trying to sit down and figure it out was such a tiny part of the process. And I don't even think it's really necessary. I think if you just start telling people, Hey, I want to do this thing and you get them on board, it, it'll happen. You know, I mean, somebody has to be organized and you should have a list somewhere at least, but, but generally speaking, that's like the least important part. 
the, what you need is is just uh, is just people to believe in what you're doing and, and forward action. Yeah, good. Surround yeah. yourself with good people. Yeah. Um, can you talk about the news on the? Podcast? I can. Yeah. So donor, my short film that I wrote and acted in and an associate produced and it won some awards at festivals and things like that. Uh, it has been. Um, not licensed, but it essentially is going to be available to view uh, on a couple different mediums online, a couple different kind of places. Uh, one of which is snagfilms.com. Uh, I actually <clears throat> read an article in Filmmaker Magazine a while ago about a documentary, and I, I heard that I could watch this documentary for free on snagfilm.com. And so I went to Snagfilm and signed up for their newsletter, and they got a lot of great eclectic um, film on there. Also, they've got in main, some mainstream stuff. And essentially we signed a deal with them and said for like the next six or 12 months, um, we have a non-exclusive contract with them for them to stream donor on their site. So anybody can go to snagfilm.com and watch donor. I think starting probably like two weeks from now. That's so cool. And we also have, we're in talks to get it, uh, with, uh, two other companies. I should probably not say the names until everything's finalized, but but it's, it's kind of cool, you know. I mean, we might make a little money off it, but it's not the it's not the the goal. The goal is just to have it out there on like something that's not YouTube. And I think there's nothing wrong with putting stuff on YouTube, but you know, like I think it also no, is important right. it, it, how how you frame it is important. You it know? adds legitimacy. Yeah, it totally does. So, yeah. so wow, that's really cool. Yeah, it was man. really cool. It was congratulations. Really cool. Yeah, I'm stoked. Caroline, Carolina, our producer, made all of that happen. Like, I wish I could say, like, oh yeah, you know, like I I really like researched it. Like, she just came to me and was like, we can do this. What do you think? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and Mark was like, yes. Yeah. And so we had a 15 minute conference call the other night, five minutes of which were actually spent talking about this, and the other 10 were just catching up. And, uh, and, and it happened. We got the email and said, we can tell everybody about it. And so it was kind of cool, you know, epic. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. And who knows where it could go from there. They, they were, uh, um, they did make a point to let us know that short films don't really get a lot of views or hits, you know, typically it's like one of the least popular kind of formats, hmm. um, when it comes to these things, but it's out there and and who knows? I mean, there are airlines and people like that buying up batches of short films all the time to put into collections to play on their channels. And so, so you never know. I'm yeah. just excited to have it out to the world, uh, and say that, you know, Hey, I, I made that. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Awesome, yeah. dude. Congratulations. Thank you. When's the next one? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> when is the next one? Good question. Let's make it happen. Yeah. So should we roll into our interview? Yeah, let's do this. All right. So here's part one of our chat with Carrie Bechet, actress extraordinaire, sweet person extraordinaire, and uh, lots of lots of fun stuff. Just a cool person to talk to. So enjoy this, guys, and we'll catch you on the other side. Hey everybody, AJ and I are very excited to be sitting here with somebody that we've we've been excited about talking to for really over a year now, um, and it finally worked out. Carrie Bechet, who has been who's got a nice long list of credits on IMDb. She's been in a lot of Ed Burns films. She's been in films with Kevin Smith. She's got a new pilot that she's shooting for AMC down in Atlanta. Actually, the pilot's done, and you're now going to be just moving on to the series. So. 
lots of exciting stuff going on in her world, and we're excited to hear about her journey. So, Carrie, thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so, we usually like to kind of start at the very beginning and just get a feel for what your journey was like before you even got to the industry. So, I don't think you're a California, LA baby, are you? I am not. Cool. So, where did you grow up? I'm from New Jersey. Yes. Yeah. East Coast represent. <laughs> awesome. Where are you from? Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was just in Philly a couple of weeks ago. Right on. Right across the bridge. Yeah. Uh, so did, so what brought you from Jersey to here? I mean, what was that switch that flipped for you to say, you know what? I might give this thing a go. Uh, there were a couple. I think there were a couple sort of turning points. Um, but one definitely... Uh, my parents are regular people. My dad's a history teacher. And my mom works at an animal hospital. And um, so we didn't... This wasn't a preordained kind of... Uh, career path for me. When I was 12, I had a theater teacher who did uh, Shakespeare, did all sorts of classical theater with um, kids and did it in the most grown-up, respectful way. And so uh, doing Macbeth in seventh grade and a trilogy of Greek tragedies in eighth grade. And then from then on, uh, I worked with him every summer and all the time. And um, from about when I was 12 onward, I, I knew that I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to do wrecked plays in parking lots and you yes. know, devised theater and Chekhov in warehouses. And, um, I did a lot of those things. I'm still doing a lot of those things actually. Um, you know, art projects with my friends and, um, that kind of those sort of passion projects. Uh, I went to school for theater in Chicago, Northwestern where everyone is pure and has the most (laughs) beautiful (laughs) intentions and, um, and then, so I think there was then also a shift uh, after college. And um, uh, I went to New York and did theater there for a long time. At a certain point, I really did kind of transition, I mean, to living in LA and to making movies and television um, as part of my life, which was never the original plan. Uh, and the thing that I think about in terms of that transition was um, my first acting job that I got paid for was I did a touring Shakespeare company in Montana called Montana Shakespeare in the Parks, which is a beautiful company. They've been around for 40 years or something. And they do two classical plays in rep and you tour all around Montana and you live in houses, uh, with people that, you know, local people, and they put you up for a night while you're there and you build your set and you have a job. I had to do props and you really feel incredibly purposeful. And it also feels like the way kind of a, a, the way that a theater used to be. And, you know, you think about Europe or you think about in actual Shakespearean times, people would tour and you're kind of like a gypsy Mm -hmm. (laughs) storyteller person. Um, and it was this, it was a really beautiful, it's a beautiful company. It was a beautiful experience. I played Juliet and Romeo and Juliet and Marianne and Tartuffe all summer, three days off. It's, it's beautiful. I flew back to New York at the end of that, and the day I landed, I went to St. Anne's Warehouse in Brooklyn, which is one of my favorite venues. Um, they just have the most incredible programming. They're, the, the shows that come there are always mind-blowing. Uh, and I saw this 
<laughs> atonal symphony called Decasia that I had been obsessed with. Um, and you sit on the floor and there's three tiers of scaffolding surrounding you with all the musicians on it and everything um, is, you know, all the instruments are like half a step out of tune with each other. So this is like, like atonal modern symphony with um, decayed movie footage projected on screens in front of the musicians. And my mind was, I was just like, it was huge culture shock going straight from Montana back to this. It was this, mm. the fulfillment of this thing that I had really loved for, for years. I had been really obsessed with this orchestra and to get to see it was a really great opportunity. I remember walking out of St. Anne's and you're right below the bridge and you see the bridge, you're like, I feel like I've never seen a bridge before. Like it did, <laughs> um, it did those things that, uh, I think, um, when I see, uh, abstract art, if I know the only way that I know it was good is if I have a physical visceral experience about it. Like I, like something looks different or I feel something differently or, um, and that's the only way because you, you don't have an intellectual, you can't talk about the story or the plot or anything. So I was having this really amazing experience. And as I walked back to the train, I looked around and I saw everyone else that had been there and seen this really incredible thing looked like me, dressed like me, mm. probably went to the same schools I did. And it was this, it really kind of a defining moment in that I could work really hard and, and like gesture really loudly. And it would be just the tiniest little conversation of the people that see theater. You know, we could all do that for the rest of our lives. Like all 500 of the people that <laughs> do that, that kind of theater. Mm -hmm. And I, and I love it and I have a real passion for it. Um, and I hope to continue doing that for the rest of my life. But there's something to be said for participating in the bigger conversation. Um, and m movies are that medium right now. Mm -hmm. um, and it feels good to make the kind of compromise. It doesn't feel good, but I think it makes me a better person and a better artist to have to make the kind of compromises that you have to make in order to be a part of the bigger conversation. And that's mm -hmm. the way that I think about when you talk about art and commerce, when you talk about the business of being an artist, that's the way that I like to phrase it to myself, that I'm making compromises that are going to make me a, a better person and a better artist for having made them. It's actually really inspiring because Trevor and I both do a lot of theater so and have for a long time. So it's, it's always, <laughs> always the question that comes up, right? You know, like um, theater's always dying. That's the thing about it. <laughs> but, but that's what I love about it. it it's mortal. It's, um, you know, it, it dies the minute it happens. It only exists in our memory, in our specific uh, idiosyncratic memory. And it's different for every person that was there on any given night of a show, just as it's different on any given night of the show. Um, so uh, from night to night. And I love that about it, that it is ephemeral. It disappears. It changes instantly in our memories when we leave the theater. That's what it's for. I, I am really interested in trying to find a way to bring it closer to the cultural center. I think it needs to survive. I think it will survive. One of my ways into understanding and getting excited about uh, filmmaking uh, is this is editing. I think actors are the 
machine that makes theater work. They're the magic moment. You're the, if you're the actor, you're the one creating the, the, the transcendent moment of, of like the art. You're making it make sense on a moment to moment basis. And in movies, that's the editor. <laughs> so as an actor, that's a way that I've really tried to engage my interest in movies is sort of through that, uh, window. Um, and one of my favorite editors is this guy, Walter Murch, and, uh, he's a brilliant genius and he's sort of lamenting the end of movies, which people have been lamenting the end of theater for generations. Um, and, uh, one of the things he says is that people have always, since the dawn of humanity, people have gathered in dark rooms to watch the flickering light and tell stories. And that's what theater is to me too. We'd sit around the fire with as cavemen and, mm-hmm. and tell each other stories. And, um, who's it? Mark Twain. Somebody said, uh, humans are the storytelling animal. That is what mm. distinguishes people from the beasts, you know, that we seek meaning, that we tell stories, that we, that that is part of our inclination and our purpose and sort of like our uh, innate, like a, a need that yeah. we have. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to find a way that theater lives in the world now. I remember somebody told me once when I first got out of college, he had a brilliant idea that the way to revive theater was to make it as much like television as possible. <laughs> and awesome. I just, I couldn't think of anything more beside the point. I, I just don't think that's right. true. Yeah. Um, it needs to be vital. It needs to do what theater does best, which is be um, non-replicable. That, that's to feel that you are having a unique experience. That's what I think we need to kind of invest in when we think about theater going forward. Wow. I, I love that you said that. Cause one of the things we talk about in the podcast a lot is how for a long time, I think I was trying to come to terms with my choice to pursue this, this career and this lifestyle, because it can be pretty trying sometimes. And I, I finally came around to the realization that the only way that, culture has ever been transmitted from one generation to the next is through the telling of stories. That's how we learn about how to behave in challenging situations. That's how we learn about ourselves. It's how we kind of evolve collectively on a sort of intellectual and spiritual level. And so I love that you phrased the things that way because it kind of vibes with what I've been kind of realizing lately. What were your reservations about it? About about doing this for a living, or it, it's it gets it gets difficult sometimes to find a balance between having a free and flexible schedule that can allow for the opportunities to happen, and then having some sort of steady source of income. Yes. I think that's specifically what I'm what I'm referring to with that. Um, yeah, that is the good old art and commerce question. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's interesting. It feels like one of the things you you were struggling with, in if your answer to that question was, well, I get to be a part of this cultural communion between generations of people. Um, it seems like part of the question is is purpose and meaning is, is, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it worth it to struggle and, and engage with the art and commerce question at all? Like, what am I doing and why? And that's, I mean, that's an ongoing really valid question yeah. too. I think my, co- I think my college essay was about trying to, trying to come to terms with is, is being an actor, is being an artist an important enough 
job <laughs> for me to to commit my life that to was your college it. essay yeah something like awesome. that it was like your personal statement the yeah or the, the i don't know the like admission the, essay, the, right? the admission essay is that what yeah, you yeah 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 okay i'm i'm just i wanted to be clear because actually that was mine what <laughs> i wrote the same thing i wrote the same thing in my personal statement to 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 ucla that's awesome because I, to me it seemed like the best the best way <clears throat> I wanted to engage them in that dialogue so that they got how serious I was. And I even said, I wrote the word bullshit in the essay because I was like, I, I didn't want to be, I want to be no nonsense and, and show them that I was serious. So I said, if you think I'm bullshitting you, then like, don't. Well, we um, were all so beautiful at 18, <laughs> weren't we? There was a time. Sometimes I wish I could meet my 18-year-old self, except I think my 18-year-old self might not like me very much, which kind of bums me Ooh, out. Really? Oh, I think the the more I live, the more I, and the more I make mistakes and learn things, I just am so much more forgiving and open-minded of myself and of other people and I hope that that will always be true. I know some old people for whom life is they they because life made them rigid, life made them really inflexible because they made decisions and they made mistakes and um then in order to validate and justify the things they think they did well, they have to they have this reactionary uh, feeling about what the the decisions other people make, they they feel like their decisions were the only ones. I don't know. So they, they some people live life and they get really rigid and inflexible. And I think the other way to go is to let it make you open and non judgmental and mm. and really flexible. And I really hope that's something that. I can do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wear life I, like, like a loose garment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who said that? Um, One of our guests said something like, "Carry life like a loose garment." Wear, 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 wear life wear like life a loose like garment. garment. There's a there's a phrase in I forget, uh, but it's um, we used to say it all the time in acting school. But uh, hold, hold on tightly, let go lightly. Have you heard this? No. Um, I think I love it though. I I tend to think both living and acting are um a series of uh contradictions that you have to just let allow to be true at the same time um and one of them is this idea of hold on tightly let go lightly and um i, I don't uh, that goes a certain distance in describing the way it feels to uh really participate in an acting moment in the way that we all hope we always do, you know, um, that you, you have all of this, uh, technical preparation, all of the, your blocking, your mark, your, you know, the lines, you know, you're going to say, um, uh, the, where the light is, the camera angle or the lens that they're on or what have you. Um, and then there's the, being able to live spontaneously in the moment as though all of those things weren't mm-hmm. pre-planned. Um, so I think there's something about hold on, hold on tightly, let go lightly in that. The first time I've ever, I ever saw your work was nice guy, Johnny, which you did with, um, with Ed Burns. And, <laughs> uh, it was a really awesome film. And I remember I was so, <clears throat> I was really intrigued by, um, Ed's we'll call him Ed. It feels weird to, Eddie, you know, like when you meet people and you're like, they know the person. He's our homeboy. He's our homeboy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stevie Spielberg, you know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But, you know, like when when you, like I I watched an interview with him and he was, I've always been intrigued by how he he kind of goes for the small, 
like three man crew. Like he just, he just like get out there and do it. And I met him at the Apple store years ago. And he said literally to a room group of a group of people, they were asking him all these questions about how he did this or how he did that. And he literally said, just make the fucking movie. And I just thought that's it. That's all there is to it. And I was watching an interview with him after seeing nice guy, Johnny and hearing that he had on many of the scenes and just had like, you know, him running camera and a sound guy and then an actor. And that was it. And I, I was, and he came to talking about how you and he came to work together and he basically, it sounded almost like he just put out a casting call and you responded. Is that kind of how it came about or, or how did you get connected with his world? Yeah. Eddie was making a short film. Uh, I was living in New York at the time. I'd done maybe two, I had two jobs on camera. I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, he, someone told me that he periodically would make short films as a study for a larger film and he just liked to do this. And I thought, why not? So I went in, I knew their casting director and she had me come in and, and then I eventually read with, uh, with Maddie Bush, um, for Eddie and Rexer, his DP and camera guy. Um, and I actually remember that day really well. Uh, it was one of these, it was one of those times where I knew the material so well. Um, one of my favorite things to do at auditions when the material's good is to, um, really, really kind of like let it go and, (laughs) um, and try and surprise myself. Sometimes I give myself a small physical goal when I go into, uh, an audition specifically. It's also the way that I like to work when I'm working. Um, but auditions are sometimes they feel so plastic. So, you Mm. you know, you're going to hit these points because you want to show them that you know what the scene's about and that you can do the storytelling of it. And, um, sometimes when the material is appropriate, you can really actually be an actor. And, Mm -hmm. um, it was this, it was a really wonderful little, uh, moment that day. And, um, so, we were going to, we made this short film together. Uh, we shot five days in the Hamptons. Uh, and at the end of the five days, we're all having a drink and talking about how this was the best experience of our lives. It was like sleepaway summer camp. Um, and Eddie was like, I didn't want to spoil it in case, uh, in case it didn't happen, but we shot enough pages. We're going to turn it into a feature film. Yes. That sounds <laughs> um, just like what I know. <laughs> I love it. And that movie then became nice guy, Johnny. That is so, so how many more days did you guys shoot? <clears throat> None. We that, didn't shoot any. Oh, they did so they, some pickups. So they went off and did their own filler. So you shot all your scenes in five in days. Five days, yeah. Sleep away summer camp. Just make the five. It was really great. Working with Eddie too became um, really collaborative, and it, we really kind of laid the groundwork. I think on on that movie. Um, I took him at his word when he said, "Come to me with any ideas you have," um, and so we ended up doing a lot of. Um, improvisation and revision and it's it, it's a really satisfying way to work as an actor growing up doing theater you have to do all of it i was a stage manager i was a set designer and built a bunch of sets in college for plays um you have to raid your grandma's closet for costumes and stuff you have to do everything even in professional theater you're not allowed to move chairs <laughs> you know like you're you i found it to be really disenfranchising um because you're such a part of the process when you when you're trying to be an actor and then oftentimes when you become an actor the parts that you really loved are no longer your purview so to get to work 
every year with this little family of people who respect and solicit my opinion and input on the story, on the character. A lot of the time, uh, the conversation starts with Eddie saying, this is kind of the story I'm thinking about. What kind of character do you want to play? What, are you looking for a challenge? Do you want to do something that's like right in your wheelhouse? Like, what, what do you want to do? I love that. Uh, it's so it's really it's a fun muscle that you don't get to work out as a professional actor mm. for a whole lot. So yeah. I really I really valued those experiences and those movies that I get to make with him. That is really cool, and it's not like that on everything. I mean, I imagine on Scrubs it was a bit more. I mean, it's obviously a different medium and a different production schedule. But it must have been a very different experience. Uh, well, Scrubs was one of my first jobs. So that was a real learning experience for me. The best part about it was that it was a daily, other than that I got to pay off my college loans. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, it was a laboratory in comedy style. Uh, mm-hmm. And working with really talented, funny, funny people, the writers and Bill and um, the, all the actors, it was uh, it was intimidating and really eye opening and, and really a, a fun way to learn comedy and kind of like a high stakes, very public mm-hmm. environment. Because <laughs> right. you were on for an entire season, right? We season, did. Season we nine. did thirteen episodes. Yeah. Right on. So you said that Nice Guy Johnny was one of your first gigs. You said you'd only done like two camera jobs before that, on-camera jobs. Yeah. So it seems like in my – it seems like that was just a couple years ago. So it's been a pretty crazy ride since then. I suppose so. So <laughs> so what was that like? I mean, no did, did, that did you – when you when – you, you know, completed that project, did it feel like – okay, what's next? Or was it just like, boom, like all of a sudden people were calling? I remember for a while feeling like, you know, if somebody gave me a chance, I think I could be really good at this. Um, for a couple of years when I was living in New York and my first few pilot seasons when I didn't get any pilots and was devastated and didn't know that it just takes a while. It just kind of mm-hmm. takes a while to, for me to figure it out, for them to figure me out. So, so I remember feeling like, I think I could, I think I could be good at this if I just got a chance. Um, and then after a little while, after making a couple movies with Eddie, um, after Red State, I didn't feel that way anymore. I felt very much like I've, I've gotten some really great opportunities to do some things that I'm really proud of. Um, and, and that was what the transition felt like. Um, I, I will probably never work as much as will make me happy. I want to work all the time. I love working, you know, 16 hour days. It makes me really happy. Um, movies are tough. I realized this, um, too, at, at one point you're so busy trying to figure out what you're supposed to do. Um, I, I realized, uh, on Kevin's movie on red state, I was like, Oh, my favorite part is the part where I do the scene. <laughs> That's the part I like about this job. Awesome. And when you do movies, it's such a vanishingly small proportion of your time is spent actually doing that part of your job. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, hope you enjoyed part one of our interview with Carrie Bechet, um, who is 
just so freaking smart. I say this in the interview. Dude, and she gets even smarter in parts. <laughs> she, she, there were a couple of times where she was talking and I was like, increasingly smart. I was like, uh, I can't keep up. Yeah. What's that word you just said? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, she says at one point, I think in the first part, yeah, that her, uh, her dad is a history teacher. Her mom like runs an animal hospital or something like that. Like she's, she's got like this great, uh, educational background, but I just yeah. loved how she was just rocking the, the, what my uh, high school English teacher would call 25 cent words. Um, <laughs> just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but also just on a seriously upward trajectory as far as, um, you know, her acting career goes like, I mean, she was in, she can already, you know, at, at her age say that she was in like the film that won best picture. Like, yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, I, that's amazing. So, you know, you know, what really stuck out to me too is, um, it's so interesting as we do this podcast, all the different personalities that kind of come through and there are some people that are really focused on the business and they're really smart business people. And there are some people that are just hopelessly artistic hopelessly artistic <laughs> you know and and she's a good mix of both but i just loved how how she talked about you know that one orchestra she went to go see yeah. um that was like called like discordia or something something like that and and how she was obsessed with it and she went and she just soaked in all the the eclecticness of it and i just thought it was cool and when she started talking i guess that way i was just like wow we have a true like creative being in front of us. This is not somebody I'm thinking of other guests in particular that I won't kind of call out, but like they're really good at the business stuff. They're really good at like making goals and putting together lists and having their target list and hitting things one by one. And sometimes I think that overshadows the fact that we're all just these kind of fragile, flawed, damaged, um, hopeful creatures that, that are talent that are that are com- connecting with people in a very intimate way through a very intimate art form and mm-hmm. i don't know i just i got that from her and it was just so nice to kind of bask in that for a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. She, i mean you know part of it is uh i i think her background in theater oh yeah know? yeah um we because trevor and i come from a background in theater we have this sort of affinity towards others who do. <laughs> um, I, and we get that there's, you know, many different paths, but, um, just coming from that background, like there's something, uh, about the, I mean, she almost, she came really close to quoting, um, what Tom Hanks said on inside the actress studio about, you know, television being a producer's medium, film being a director's medium and the stage being the last place for the actor. Yeah. Um, she says something very similar. So, um, anyway, and part two, even better. So we'll stick around we'll, for, for, for that next week. It's, it's fantabulous. Fantabulous. Uh, what is your pick of the week? Pick of the week. So, uh, uh, a little going back to the more software side, but it, it's been kind of in my world lately. So I thought, uh, I've never really talked about it on the podcast, but I've been talking a lot about my digital actor workshop to people recently, um, for a number of different reasons, not the least of which being what I mentioned earlier in the episode about. Ben going to Texas to do his social media thing. So he and I had a conversation about it. And then I had a conversation with some, uh, somebody else. And then, um, I do it at, at UCLA now. So I ran into the professor who invites me in every year last, last night at the memorial service. So it's been on my mind. Uh, and you know, in revisiting that and also 
with Apple sort of upgrading like some some I don't know how to say this like their 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 not profit structure but sales structure with uh, with some of their software. I really wanted to make um, Pages my pick of the week. Um, Pages is 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 a is a word processing application for the Mac, but it's also now free which we just found out on, on iOS. Yeah. So all of iLife and all of um, iWork apparently is now free on, on iOS. Um, I If that's not true, please get in touch with the podcast, but we didn't find any evidence to the contrary. Um, I can't check because I've already bought them, so I can't go back <laughs> in and see if you can buy them again. So if anybody's like, no, that's not true, uh, just let us know. But uh, regardless... The reason it is my pick of the week and the reason I uh, feature it in my digital actor workshop is because of how easy it is to put together the materials that uh, one needs as an actor. So, for instance, I build my headshot and resume on pages. And um, by building my headshot, I sometimes save, you know, $25 to $40 depending on where what the reproduction place is because the repro places can actually charge you or will actually charge you yeah. a setup fee. Just for typesetting your name. Just for typesetting your name and putting a stroke around your picture and like that's it. And so um, if you can do that on your own, you can save yourself some money. I use it for that. I use it for um, resumes. I use it for postcards and flyers and things. Like you can customize uh, the size of it. So not only do I customize the size of the page to 8x10 for a headshot and resume, I also customize it for postcards. And a lot of people out there listening to this might be like, well, I can do that with Microsoft Word. And you totally can. I'm not saying that you can't. Um, I just, I will actually do a compare and contrast in my workshop. And I often find that it is way, way, way easier to do it um, uh, in pages. Um, and then there are some uh, some other things you can do with pages that you can't either can't do with Word or, or can't easily do with Word. You can do a mail merge with Word um, using uh, uh, Excel or um, if you're using Outlook to like organize your contacts. Um, <clears throat> but with pages, you can actually do a mail merge directly from a dress book. Mm. So if you are gonna send out like say you know a cover letter to and do a hundred submissions to agencies. Right, you write one cover letter, and then you do a mail merge with a dress book with all of the contacts that you have in there, or the people that you want to send to, and all of a sudden yeah. you have a fifty, sixty, a hundred page document with that is um, customized to every single agency. Yeah. yeah, and then you just print that out and put it in your put it in your package. So this is all stuff I cover in my digital actor workshop, but I realized that I didn't. I never. I we, in fact, Trevor and I went and searched the website. I've never made pages my my pick of the week before, so anyway, yeah. there it is. And it's funny too because we were we were talking about possibly doing something different because we just saw that like fifty four or fifty seven percent of our audience actually accesses the podcast through a Windows machine. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, so. but then you found that the that thing that said that it was free. So I was on iOS. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, if they don't have, no, a, yeah. if they have a Windows, if they have if they're using Windows, maybe they have an iPhone or an iPad. They can it, use it on. It's an awesome app. It's kind of like a poor man's Photoshop, uh, but a really good poor yeah, man's Photoshop. You can do, yeah, because you, you can, can do, do instant, instant alpha yeah. on it, which I've, I've used before. Um, instant alpha allows you to like take out the background of a of an image. So it is a poor man's Photoshop in that way. Yeah. And I've done that before. I've used, I've used instant alpha to take out the, the background of something. Like, like um, 
I had a headshot where it was kind of like up against a white wall, but there was some like dirt or, or lines or something on the white wall. And I removed all of that so that I could put just me on this postcard with, um, the logo of the show that I was in and an invitation to come see right. it. So I don't know. It's yeah. just, uh, it's, it's cool. You can do some fun stuff with it. It's a great app. Yeah. 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 Sweet, man. Nice pick. I Tanks. like it. What's your pick? Uh, my pick of the week is a, an ebook um, that you can download on Kindle or you can download a PDF. And it's called Zen to Done. It's it's kind of a very simplified, slightly different version of Getting Things Done by David Allen. But it's put out by the guy um, who runs ZenHabits.com or ZenHabits, I think it's dot .com. Um, Leo, Which I think was Leo like a, a, a pick of the week you had before, right? It, or some, it, yeah. something something else that he put out was a pick of the week? Or we, I, I know uh, we've talked about it on the podcast before. It, yeah, it might have been. I, I don't know, but um, I don't know. But Zen Habits is a really popular podcast. It, or I'm sorry, blog. It's one of those those blogs that people like who know the internet just know. Like they know of Zen Habits. The same way like if you watch TV, you know of you know CSI New York or whatever. Like it's one of those like signature things and uh and this book he put together is basically like his take on gtd with a few tweaks to make it simpler and make it more effective for him and anyway i bought the the ebook the kindle version a while ago and i never really read it but i just got around to reading it again or reading it for the first time and uh it's really it's just it's very simple it's very approachable it's 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 not quite as uh intellectual as i think some of david allen's writing is like, I think GTD is a great system, and I love getting things done in the book, but I feel like that book could have been a third of the length that it is. Mm. And Zen to Done is essentially that. It's exactly kind of what I was looking for from GTD. Um, so it takes a lot of the elements that it that work really well, and then it kind of just presents them in a slightly different tweaked way to make it more accessible. I, I, I'm loving it. So you can get it online, and we've got a link on our website for it. And I, I, I don't know, I think it's maybe like six or seven bucks on a Kindle at the most. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, so it's, it's, really, it's really pretty cool. A great way to kind of just, you know, handle your life, essentially. And for those who don't know, the Kindle app is available on everything. Yes. It's available on yes. Windows, uh, the Mac operating system, iOS, Blackberry, Android. Blackberry like, still exists. Blackberry. Yeah. <laughs> they still exist. Yeah. Rim is still a company. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's cool. it's 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 prolific. Yes, and then we have a listener pick from Lee Vang, who is so good about sending in this uh, picks of the week and sharing cool links and things with us. And this one is a fifty-four minute and seventeen second video from the Hollywood Reporter, and it's a it's a roundtable video interview with six top actors, and these are people like. Josh Brolin and Matthew McConaughey and Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, I think some other people are in there and essentially it's them talking about uh, just some like kind of horror some of their horror stories essentially from like worst auditions to uh, even in the title it says to leg waxing and I know that uh, like I think Jared Leto's in that panel and he plays like a tran or a, a transgender person in this movie coming out called uh, Dallas Buyers Club and they're already talking like Oscar buzz and this is his first film oh, in yeah. like five Math- or six years. Matthew McConaughey's in yeah, Matthew well, McConaughey's. Yeah. yeah, so uh, I don't know. It looks awesome. I'm going to watch it um, when I have a chance but uh, I, that's on our website so check it out. It looks like a great thing and, and Lee did make a point to say it's so cool to just hear from these guys that those fears and things that we all have as actors they never go away. Like when you quote unquote make it 
like your life doesn't change that much on the inside, you know, <laughs> like you're still subject to the same insecurities and fears and things. Sure. And the people that make it and stay there are just the people that have found successful ways to cope with that. It's not that it ever, those conversations and things never go away. It's st- you still are who you are in that place. You know, I, <laughs> yes. I just, I love it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching slash putting that on in the background. I'm listening to it as I do other things. Uh, yeah. And, and like an hour. Yeah. these, these round tables too, I think we may have talked about it on the podcast before, but they, they like the Hollywood reporter has been doing this a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. so this is like not, this is certainly not the first one that's come out. And for you ladies out there, they also did a women's round table of a bunch of, um, uh, women actors. There are several of these, um, I don't, I, I don't know how many on uh, Hollywood Reporter's website, so go check out other ones, you know? Yeah, yeah. So right. for episode 122, there's a lot of ways that uh, all of you listening, all y'all, uh, in Japan and the UK and France and Sweden and all over the world can uh, interact with the podcast, communicate, connect, support. Um, start at their website, InsideActingPodcast.com. Leave a comment on one of our episode posts. Shoot us an email, InsideActingPodcast at gmail.com. Or do what uh, Elliot did and leave us a voicemail. And uh, we'll talk about uh, whatever it is you got to say on the show. 213-2-ACTORS. That's 213-222-8677. And that's a U.S. number. I'm just thrilled we have so many international listeners. I think it's cool. <laughs> so I guess dial a 9 or zero one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We're so we're uh, yeah. so white right now. We're so uncultured. <laughs> so like ignorantly so American. United States. And, um, yes. What else can they do? They can t- they can tweet at us. We are uh, inside acting uh, on Twitter, and also we're in, on there individually. If you want to follow us individually oh, or yeah. interact with us, uh, I'm just Trevor Algott, and you are at Digital Actor. Yeah. At Digital Actor. Uh, we're on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. We have a Facebook group that you can join to interact with other listeners, share inspiration, tips, stuff you're working on, ask questions. It's a little community kind of growing over there. And then, uh, and then last but not least, yes, our donation page. And you can become a patron and maybe we'll talk about you on the podcast like we did with, uh, Renee, Michelle, Renee. Um, so, uh, head on over to our website. There's a donate button on the right hand side where you can donate uh, one large lump sum of cash monies or, I guess, digital cash monies and or uh, become a patron of the podcast where you donate uh, a a predetermined amount every month and then you become a patron. We put your headshot on our website and we talk about you on the podcast and there's all kinds of fun stuff, but you basically keep the the wheels on the bus going round and round. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And, of course, Um, you can write it off. Yeah, yeah, you can write it off as either a donation expense. or an education expense. Yeah, totally. Pick one. Uh, and then, last but not least, make sure you guys are subscribed to our newsletter. It's it's been kind of off and on, um, but we're putting some systems in place to make sure that that gets done consistently and um, have some exciting things to include in there. So it's a little bit of a cherry on top kind of addition to what we do every week with the podcast. So so much good stuff. Subscribe for free over there on our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. dot com, and I think that's it. 
Yes, sir. So for episode 122, for our technical producer, Cesar Camino, who is responsible for editing these episodes, making them sound beautiful, all that fun stuff. For Jen Levin, our production coordinator, who's responsible for myriad things from uh, basically keeping us organized to uh, inter-team communications and whatnot, I'm Trevor Algott. My name, I believe my name is AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, keep track of your sentences. This episode of Inside Acting has been brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your characters and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download.